It's the weekend. The NFL season is about to begin. Well, it actually started last night, but NFL Sunday is finally back. I know Sean Clark's excited. I know our Eagles fan, Hannah Ware, is excited. We're all excited. Let's do it. This is the Rich Report bringing you the richest content across entertainment. We've got a new lineup today. No Johnny, no David, but we have Sean Clark joining, as always, for the entire show. And we got Hannah Ware, first time on The Rich Report. Mm -hmm. Hannah, how are you doing on this lovely start to the weekend? Um, I'm doing good. It was really fun to see a football game yesterday. Um, I just, this whole quarantine, that's the only thing I've been looking forward to. I've been watching old games and all that good stuff. Um, It was fun to see the Chiefs play yesterday because I love Mahomes. I call him my homie, so very excited. And thank you for having me as a guest on this show. Sean Clark, what is up today? Premier League returns tomorrow morning, but an NFL return last night, so I'm I can't complain. Well, we can't complain, but a lot of people were complaining yesterday, specifically the Chiefs fans. And I hate to start off the show with once again another problem with this country and how it reacts to certain movements we've talked about it for the last two three weeks on this show and i would love to just talk about sports but we can't do that we have to recognize that we have a serious problem going on in this country that i've talked about multiple times i made points saying black athletes in america are only or just black people in general are only seen as entertainment props once they decide to speak up about important issues a sign of unity not even kneeling against the flag wasn't it wasn't a sign of protest it was a sign of unity saying you know we're all in this together we all need to support each other and the Chiefs fans still decided to boo I I I I don't know what else there is to do anymore what what how we can eliminate this ignorance of people just complete blind ignorance in a sign of unity not no agendas being put out just locking arms for a minute and just saying, okay, we're all in this together. We're all supposed to love each other. And that gets booed. So, Hannah, I'm going to start with you. I'll save my complete thoughts for the end. But I want to know, what was your take on the Chiefs fans booing the, the Chiefs and Texans sign of unity before the game yesterday? Um, I've always had this, like, uh, point or idea that I just don't like the idea of politics being brought into sports. But I, this issue is not political whatsoever. Um, it, like you said, it's a sign of unity. And it's not any sort of protest, even if it was a protest, I'd be okay with that. But it, it wasn't even that. It was just a sign of unity, locking arms. I thought it was such an amazing thing. It was for like a minute. It, it spoke uh, volumes. I don't understand why the Chiefs fans would um, do that at all. I, I think it was ridiculous. It was just a sign of unity. It was a peaceful thing that was done. Um, and I think for people that have that kind of big of platform, if they believe in it they should be using their platform to spread that idea i i think it was an amazing thing i don't think it harmed anyone and i honestly just got sick seeing the chiefs fans boo like it just i just thought it was disgusting so that's my take on it over over the last few months i have scrolled through social media and i have seen a whole bunch of people say hashtag i'm done hashtag boycott the nfl and there's a, there's a Facebook friend of mine, a little little brother of a friend I used to play, I used to play pick up football with, and he said I, I love the Broncos, but I'm done with the NFL because I am sick and tired of these uh, spoiled rich people 
of bringing politics into the game and disrespecting the flag. And that comment irked me because I actually, it wasn't just a random troll, I knew this person. And ever since then, it should grind in my gears how people are boycotting just because, oh, they're bringing politics into it. Oh, they're speaking up. Stop, stop. If, if you're uncomfortable with how they're protesting, what does that say about you? I, I, hate, I hate to be that, that guy, but what does that say about you? If you're uncomfortable with how they're protesting and what they're protesting, and all you care about is they shut up and play, then I'm sorry. You need to look at yourself because this is a human rights issue. This isn't a political issue. This is a human rights issue. The fact that people are uncomfortable and even boycotting the NFL because they're speaking up for issues, it just shows how a lot of people just don't have their priorities right. And it's just, it's up to people like us to try to be the majority instead of the minority, which I'm starting to feel like that's the case, which really is shameful. And where do, and in terms of the social dynamics in this country, have we really seen a monumental change going back to Jim Crow, going back all the way to the days of slavery? Because think about it. Whenever it's a black person that speaks up about wanting equality, it always gets bogged down. It's always just, okay, take a seat. You can't talk. You know, there's nothing you can do. Athletes, it's shut up and play. You don't know what you're talking about. Has it really changed over the last centuries? Granted, sure, black people, we have a lot more opportunities than we had way back then. And, we, you know, we're actually getting paid instead of working for free. But at the end of the day, who still profits off of everything and still, and still who has the most power in this country? Because it's not me. It's not the other black people in this world. It's still the people at the top that want to still that still want to see us as just entertainment props. And until that changes, I still have to compare today, 2020 to 150 years ago and then back to Jim Crow laws. It's it, the dynamics are still there. Granted, we have a lot more opportunities, but the, 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 the dynamics really have not seen that much change. Moving on to the Chiefs Texans game. The Chiefs, I mean, are we just ready to hand them over to Lombardi? Defense looks great. They had rookie showings at cornerback. Patrick Mahomes is back on his A game, and they have quite possibly already a top five running back in this league in Clyde Edward Tiller. Hannah, what were your thoughts on the Chiefs win last night? Um, well, I was only able to join in in the second half because I was busy, but um, I had no doubt that the Chiefs were going to win. Um, I'm obviously an Eagles fan, but I love Mahomes. I just, I have a, he's my man crush. I just love him to death. I think he played amazing. I have nothing bad to say about him. Um, I just have this one point that he normally uses the first quarter as a warm up, but this game, he did not do that whatsoever. He played great throughout the whole game, great passes, all that stuff. Um, on the Texans side, they, I just don't think that they played well. They showed up in the last, the last half of the fourth quarter, like the last five minutes, they really brought the heat. But I mean, what, what was the score at that point? It was like 15 points, something like that difference. And I was like, you're not going to get the win now. And then in the last 20 seconds, I feel like the Texans just gave up. So I feel like um, 
like what what does that say about the team i had this debate with my mom actually earlier you know uh were the texans giving up in the last 20 seconds or were they just not chancing anything with an injury in just the last 10 seconds when they knew they weren't going to win um so i just i don't know i'm very questionable about the texans right now but very happy for the chiefs <laughs> so yeah i have a i have a pretty important takeaway from each from each team first of all for the chiefs they were bottom 10 in rushing last year. They had the 10th worst rushing offense last season. Yeah, uh, Clyde Edwards-Solaire rushed for 138 yards, including a incredible 27-yard cutback touchdown run. Phenomenal play by Edwards-Solaire, who won a national championship for LSU last year. So the guy literally goes from one of the greatest offenses in college football history to the best offense in the NFL right now, which is insane. He adds a whole dimension to the Chiefs' offense that they didn't even have last year. And we've seen this at some points in NFL history where I'll, I'll, I'll use these two examples. The San Francisco 49ers won the Super Bowl in 1988. They were way better in 1989. The Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl in 1997. They were way better in 1998. And I feel like it is highly possible that the Chiefs, it could be the same thing. They won the Super Bowl last year, but they could be even better this year simply because they have that new dimension, that new – option at running back that they didn't really have most of last year. Damian Williams just made big plays, but he wasn't a consistent weapon. Edwards Hilaire was the star last night. Anyone who watched that game will tell you that he was the star. Now, when it comes to the Texans, okay, I hate to, I hate to bring up the obvious. I don't like always bringing up the obvious, but I'm have to. You know, it really would have helped Deshaun Watson, who struggled last night, to get into a rhythm if he just had a big target on the outside. Hmm. A, a six-foot-five target with great hands and could beat almost any DB. Hmm. It's kind of rare to find that, but if only the Texans had that, you know, they would actually be really competitive. Oh, wait, you decided to trade that guy for David Johnson and then later Brandon Cooks and you signed Randall. Like, what are you doing? Your, your receiving core is tiny. Do you realize that that doesn't work? As a Patriots fan, I would know that that doesn't work because that's what the Patriots had all of last year. It doesn't work. You don't have all these small receivers. I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to get Watson to be more mobile, use his legs, and have a Kansas City type offense where it's a very shifty offense. And yes, David Johnson did show signs of promise and that actually is a positive from the Texans but I'm sorry if you have a six foot five receiver who can outrun almost any DB has great hands yeah I'm sorry there there's no replacing that whatsoever the Texans could not find a rhythm in the passing attack David Johnson was their best player last night which is insane even more than Deshaun Watson it's like if Deshaun Watson just had a guy to throw to that could was tall and could catch well, uh, let's not simple, let's not let's not disrespect Will Fuller here. Will Fuller had eight receptions for 112 yards. If he can stay healthy, he can be a pretty good number one threat. Granted, he's not as tall or dynamic as a DeAndre Hopkins, but he can show up and perform and put up these hundred yard performances. Now, where was Randall Cobb in this game? Why wasn't he inserted into this offense? I'm surprised he didn't go off on a tangent like Michael Porter Jr. did after Game Four against the Clippers. That We'll say that for another day because, oh, wow, that was insane. A rookie crying out like that. Oof. But the Texans, once again, it all comes back to Bill O'Brien, the guy that runs practically the entire team. I'm, I'm waiting for him to become owner next. He's going to be 
head coach, general manager, and owner all at once. The Texans want to give him everything, and he's done absolutely nothing for this franchise. They are, as Sean likes to say, the Saturday wild card, 1.30 p.m. on ABC game, which the Texans have done, I think, the last three or four years. But there's just no – their ceiling is so high, but yet their floor is all the way below the surface of the earth, like in the <laughs> earth's core. They, they can either be so good they – they have the roster to be so good, but at the end of the day, they are beneath – they're at the earth's core. That's where they are. So I don't see where the, where the Texans get better. They can have J.J. Watt, but they're still going to allow 34 points to a Chiefs team. I don't see where they – and especially when they have a – their next game, I believe, is against Baltimore, right? They have to go to Baltimore, right? Uh, the Texans go to Baltimore. The Chiefs will be the Chargers' SoFi Stadium opener. Yeah, and, yeah, what a week. What an opening start to the Texans' season, having to play the Chiefs and then Baltimore. All right, Miss Eagles fan, the NFC East, once again, is probably going to be tightly contested, and I'm that guy that's looked at the Cowboys for the last five years and go, hmm, this is a 13-3 and roster every single year, but yet they somehow end up underperforming. They finished 8-8 eight and eight last year somehow with the roster they had. The Eagles ended up winning the division. Cowboys missed the playoffs. And then I look and go, you know what? Jason Garrett was an awful coach. They have Mike McCarthy now who's won a Super Bowl. But this is the year to find out if the Cowboys have a serious culture problem or Jason Garrett was the real problem. Now, on the Eagles' side, the Cowboys make the Eagles look like Super Bowl winners every year. Eagles own the Cowboys, but the Eagles still, I think, have a much weaker roster than the Cowboys. Granted, the Eagles have some O-line issues. Carson Wentz, I think, still needs still, – still has something to prove. He couldn't win that Super Bowl. That was Nick Foles. Carson Wentz still, I think, has a lot to prove. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder this year that to finally be that guy to carry the Eagles to a deep playoff run and not have it, uh, the Eagles' name be Nick Foles. So, Hannah, I'll start with you. Can the Eagles win the division, and can they make the, a deep run in the postseason? I mean, I'm just as a diehard Eagles fan, I am hoping that the uh, Eagles show up this year and that the Cowboys underplayed again. Who, know, who knows how they're going to play? But um, I just want to point out, 2018, we won the Super Bowl against one of the best teams in the league, Patriots. Um, I know it's Foles that won the game for us. We had the uh, Philly Philly special, which was just so amazing. They even had a statue like up at their stadium. It was, it was the coolest thing ever. I got to see it. But um, – the reason why we ended up at the Super Bowl was because Carson Wentz played 13 perfect games, right? I know that he um, got injured and now he plays injured, so he's, he's a little scared on the field. But um, I'm just hoping that this season that kind of goes away. He uh, brings the heat this year. And I'd like to mention that we also have Zach Ertz, top five tight ends this season or you know, for 2020, which I think is just amazing. amazing. And we have Boston Scott, so – I mean, those are just my favorite players, all three of them. But I think, I think the Eagles are going to have a good season this year. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm very excited. And have you guys seen Silver Linings Playbook? Have you seen – oh, my gosh. The Philadelphia Eagles have the best spirit, like best team spirit ever, like their superstitions, all that stuff. You need to watch that movie. Eagles are going to have a good season. I have heard – yes, I have heard that the Eagles are prominently – feature in that i still need to watch it but yes i am aware of that uh my dad watched the movie because he's big he was a big jennifer lawrence fan and made me aware of that now 
come look at the, looking at this division battle. I'm sorry, the Cowboys have the edge because I don't even think the Eagles are going to make the playoffs as a wild card. First of all, their offensive line is in shambles. Br- Br- Brandon Brooks and Brooks and Andre Dillard are both out for the season. I'm sorry, but I can't. I can't. I get the Eagles have all these weapons, but when when you have defenders like let's see, Demarcus Lawrence, Tyrone Crawford. Randy Gregory got reinstated for the Cowboys. When they get to tee off on Carson Wentz, I got a really bad feeling for Carson Wentz. Not necessarily that he's going to get injured, he's just going to get sacked a bunch. Carson Wentz keeps getting injured, especially in the leg area, mm-hmm. and, and he is not as mobile as he used to be. Yes, Carson Wentz was very impressive last season as he took a YMCA roster wide receiver core and took them to a NFC East title in part because the Cowboys underachieved greatly. Now, I believe Jason Garrett was the problem. Last year, the Cowboys played the most conservative offense I've ever seen. Also, Mike Nolan is the new defensive coordinator of the Cowboys, and I think actually the defense was even worse than the offense. The defense played the softest zone defense I literally have ever seen in all my years watching the NFL. It was I hated watching the Cowboys last year. Because they didn't seem to care. They, it, it looked like Arsenal on a bad day. And if I'm saying that, then clearly there are issues here. But the Cowboys this year, they have a new coaching staff. Mike McCarthy spent a whole year locked away in a barn watching, watching all the trends and film of the modern NFL so he could be ready for his second chance. The Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb. Their wide receiver core is 3D. Their three receivers are better than any of the Eagles receivers in general except for Zach Ertz, but he's the tight end. The the Eagles have two good tight ends and injury-prone receivers. The Cowboys have three legitimate stars at wide receiver, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. And the the Cowboys do have talent on defense. I think the Cowboys have too much much weapons in their arsenal. They're going to take this division easily. I think they're going to end up as the number three seed in the NFC, and they will make – a run at their first Super Bowl appearance since 1995. Thank you, Hannah, for joining us. But before you go, do you mind uh, plugging your podcast that you have for KJAC? Yeah, my um, podcast is called Supposedly the Best Years. You can find it on Spotify um, or you can go on Anchor and look it up too. It's pretty much just about college life and the ups and downs. I try to have a new guest each week and just – uh, touch on topics that are not only about college, but just life between like the ages of 18 and 26, you know, just relatable things like that. So yeah, again, it's called supposedly the best year is always have a new guest every week at on Wednesdays around like nine o'clock is when it usually is posted. So yeah, we will li- leave a link in the description for that podcast. Hannah, we appreciate you coming on. We hope to have you on again soon. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Bye. All right, Clark, it's just you and I talking game of the week for week one this Sunday in the NFL. I'm going to kick it to you. What is the biggest game to watch heading into Sunday? Or is it, or it could be Monday. All right, I will say that the, that the game of the week is obviously the Buccaneers and Saints. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to debut Tom Brady as a quarterback. Yes, it, it's going to hurt. It is – the first possession where Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski take the field, my two favorite athletes of all time on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's I'm going to die inside. It's going to be terrible, but that's the headliner. I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to be conventional and just talk about the big game. 
the game that intrigues me the most is the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, yeah, so it's the first time we get to see the Las Vegas Raiders, your Las Vegas Raiders, play a football game, take on the Carolina Panthers. Now, I'm getting, I'm getting ticked off, Cameron. I'm getting really, really ticked off that pro football focus and many other experts are thinking the Panthers are going to be terrible. No, they're not. Why? Yes, their defense is young and inexperienced. Yes, they, they did lose Cam Newton after a very good career, although the last part, yeah, not so much. But he still won MVP, which is the only Carolina Panthers player in their franchise history to win that award. The, the Carolina Panthers have Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback. A quarterback that went 5-0 with the New Orleans Saints when Drew Brees was out due to injury. And the Carolina Panthers have possibly the best player in the NFL in Christian McCaffrey, a top-five running back and a top-five wide receiver, all in one, which is blows my mind. I feel like the Panthers are going to play a very old-school kind of game. They're going to win time of possession. They're going to win the turnover battle. Now, the problem is that their defense can – bend at times and that's why maybe there'll be a fringe playoff team I think I think they're going to surprise people but I want to see how they do against the Raiders if the Panthers get blown out by the Raiders okay maybe I was wrong maybe I stretched things a bit but as far as your Las Vegas Raiders go first of all how does it feel to hear the Las Vegas Raiders how do you feel it pains me it is like you say sad scenes of torturous pain and suffering it is the Oakland Raiders, it will always be the Oakland Raiders. I'm just going to say Raiders. I ain't going to say Vegas Raiders. I ain't saying Las Vegas Raiders. It is the Raiders or it's the Oakland Raiders. Or the Oakland Raiders of Los Angeles. Or the Oakland <laughs> Los Angeles Raiders of Las Vegas. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Or the, okay. no, no, no. The L.A. Oakland Raiders who just happened to play in the city of Las Vegas. There we go. That's, that's the team name. Dang, and you complain about the Angels' long name. Anyways, going to the Raiders team. Raiders are a very interesting team this season. Yesterday I was looking at their depth chart, and I thought to myself, huh, this is a very intriguing team. They have built up their roster. They, they don't have a terrible weakness, but they don't have big strengths either except for Josh Jacobs and the offensive line. The Raiders, I would say, are a wildcard contender, especially after Von Miller's injury with the Denver Broncos. First of all, Broncos Raiders are going to be battles this season. Those, those two games, mark on your calendar, drop everything and watch those two games because they're going to be bloodbaths. But the Raiders head to Carolina to take on the Panthers. How will Derek Carr perform? Will Josh Jacobs return a rookie season form? How will Jonathan Abrams do in hopefully his first full game as an NFL starter? How will Henry Ruggs fit in with the system? The Raiders are one of the most intriguing teams in the entire NFL, and Panthers are my sleeper team, a team that I think will do much better than people are predicting. So I just want to see how that plays out. Am I going to look really bad? Are the Raiders going to look promising? Are the Panthers going to prove me right? I'm very excited. Of the early window, tune into that. I mean, obviously, watch NFL Red Zone because it's the best channel ever. But focus on that game because, ooh, it's going to be a good one, I think. Yeah, my biggest game of the week or the game that people should be watching is the last game of the week between the Titans and the Broncos. We have a litmus test of epic proportions here. The Titans looking to prove that they can get back to the AFC Championship and that last year was not a fluke. 
You also have Ryan Tannehill just got paid by Tennessee. He's got a lot to prove. Derrick Henry always trying to prove to be the best running back in the league. But then you have a Denver Broncos team who I have many questions about, but everybody's preaching that to me that Drew Locke is Lord and Savior himself and is about to win the Super Bowl for the Denver Broncos. I just don't see it that way. Drew Locke last season in his five starts going four and one, besides the Chiefs game, had a pretty favorable schedule, and it took the Raiders having the worst game of their season, aside from the Jets game, to beat them by one point in Denver, to say the least. So to me, to say Drew Locke is just going to shine this year and be one of the best quarterbacks is shocking to me. Their wide receiver core is still very, very shallow, aside from Judy and an injured Corlin Sutton. I'm not – what are you, Patrick Mix or whoever else? Like, is it like Richard Hamilton? Come on. Come KJ on. KJ Hamler? No. This isn't, this isn't the days of Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. It's just not. It's Sutton who's still – who needs to get healthy and Jerry Judy. That's, that's the Bronx, that Those are the weapons for – running back core, I think it's fine. Running back core is great. Philip Lindsay, I love Philip Lindsay. He was great. I don't know why – Melvin Gordon was signed to this team. I thought Phil Lindsay was a pretty great RB1. Why Melvin Gordon, the guy who's shown that he'll take plays off, he did that with the Chargers because he was angry he wasn't getting paid. I don't see why he performed any better with Denver. I don't see it. And let's talk about them. Oh, Von Miller out for the season. It's going to take Jarrell Casey coming from Tennessee to, to uh, fill that void that Von Miller is leaving. And that is a pretty big void to fill. But, Sean, please, enlighten me. How are the Broncos going to be incredibly talented this year? Okay, first of all, I'm not saying the Broncos are the most talented team and that they're automatically going to make the playoffs. I still am not sure after the Von Miller injury this weekend when I do some previews for the CanyonPark.com, I'm going to really take a look at that. But let me, let me just address some of your things here because, ooh, I, I got a bone to pick with you right now. First of all, I'm sorry, are we just going to forget about Noah fans? Another – stud Iowa tight end who could possibly have 100 catches this season. Yes, last year, Noah Fant, he had a few flashes. He had some solid games, but I really feel like this season, Noah Fant is really going to have a breakout season and establish himself among the NFL's elite tight ends. Hey, I said I said in my AFC West preview that they could have that uh, Locke and Fant could have that Jimmy G and George Kittle type of connection. That's really going to help out because Judy and Sutton, obviously – Corners are going to play back a little bit. They're not going to press two incredibly fast players. So they're going to play back, and it's going to take a while for Locke to get out the ball. And if the O-line can't handle uh, can't handle waiting that long, then the ball is obviously, obviously going to be fed to Noah Fan. So I really think this will be a breakout year for that tight end. He's really good. But I still don't love the receiving core. It's still very, very shallow. Okay. Let me let me address let me let me address that receiving core. First of all, Jerry Judy can out will will be able to outrun most TVs. Now, obviously, that's not a proven thing because he hasn't played the game yet. But his speed at Alabama was just unbelievable, and I expect him to stretch the field. Now, Cortland Sutton he also has a lot of speed, as you mentioned. But here's what Cortland Sutton can do that Jerry Judy can't. Cortland Sutton can win jump balls. He's a wide receiver that the Houston Texans really wish they had right now. A tall wide receiver that can win the jump balls. Also, K.J. Hamler, he's also another fast 
Where, and I think he can be a dangerous weapon in the slot. Oh, yeah, you also want to bash Melvin Gordon? Actually, this is the perfect signing for them. You cannot just rely on one running back in the NFL. You, you can't do that. Yes, the Cowboys have Ezekiel Elliott, but they all – Tennessee? Also, Tennessee? It's not a reliable recipe for – yes, they did carry Derrick Henry to the AFC Championship game, but look what happened in the AFC Championship game. Derrick Henry was slowed down, and their offense looked lost. You can't just rely on a running back. Oh, wait, the Broncos have two. Philip Lindsay can get the touches. And Melvin Gordon, you forget, is a great receiving back. Why do you think that the Chargers offense, especially in 2017, was so dangerous? And why they went 12 and – sorry, 2018. Why they went 12 and 4. Why they were one of the best offenses in the field. Because Melvin Gordon gave them an option out of the backfield. Bill Lindsay is a straight runner, but Melvin Gordon's a great receiving back. There are so many weapons across this offense. And, and besides, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Raiders fan, the Broncos have a better receiving core than the Raiders do right now. So I don't see the problem with this Broncos receiving core. They have two good running backs. They have a great tight end. They have two, potentially three very good receivers. It's better than what the Raiders have. I hate, I hate to point that out. Raiders – Raiders have a deep tight end, and they have possibly a better running back. But receiving core, not comparable. Sorry. They have two potential 1,000-yard wide receivers in the speedy, and it's going to be better than Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs third, and Brian Edwards, who is the all-time leader in receiving yards at South Carolina. So don't get me started on, oh, Denver has a better receiving core. Let's not forget Hunter Renfro is a very – underrated talent at receiver yes he's very small but he gets the job done at the end of the day he is a great route runner darren waller is going to be better than noah fant it's going to be up to that pain of a quarterback a pain a pain in my side the thorn in my side Derek carr to get the ball at a competent rate if he can do that this raiders offense will be explosive if he can't then Mariota needs to get back quicker than three weeks he needs to be back before week four. I, I find it hilarious that, that you're saying that the Raiders have a two potential top uh, two 1,000 wide receivers. That's fine. But I'm sorry. Jerry, Jerry Judy, I think, is overall a better receiver than Henry Ruggs, although Henry Ruggs may fit the Raiders better. But I'm, I'm sorry. You're going to compare Brian Edwards, who hasn't played a snap yet, to Portland Sutton, who has proven to be a legitimate number one wide receiver in this league. Okay. Interesting. We'll see what happens. Moving on, Bubba Wallace leaving Richard Petty Motorsports at the end of the 2020 season. Where will he go? I I thought he was staying with the 43, and they were going to make that team great. Had a, has a ton of sponsorships, but now Bubba can pretty much go wherever we want, where, wherever he wants because he's carrying a lot of individual sponsorships with him. 48 will be open. The 42. Stuart House Racing, the 14 car will be open. Sean, where do you see Bubba Wallace going, and what is the best fit for him? I think it has to be the 48 car from, from Team Hendrick, Jimmy Jonathan's car. Obviously, Bubba Wallace has proven to be a good driver. The fact that he almost led the final two laps at the Daytona race a few weeks ago, and Bubba Wallace has produced a few top tens this season, he is a good driver that was held back by a, a mid-pack at best team with Richard Petty Motorsports. They 
there were so many mechanical issues that really prevented Bubba Wallace from showing his true potential. But I have to say as it is, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I'm going to say what I think is, you know, Bubba Wallace, he is the lone black driver in NASCAR. And and with all the protests that are happening, he really has been at the center of NASCAR's media attention. Not Kevin Harvick, not Denny Hamlin, not Kyle Busch. It's been Bubba Wallace, especially with, with the reports of a noose being found in his garage. He really became this, the face of NASCAR's media attention this year. What better way for Team Hendrick to replace the Jimmy Johnson than the most famed driver in NASCAR right now? I'm not saying Bubba only deserves it because of his attention. He's a good driver, like I said. But that just, to me, would feel like the smartest move. Being in the 48 car, I, and also Jimmy Johnson has been very vocal about Black Lives Matter, more than really any NASCAR driver from what I've seen. And I think Jimmy would love Bubba to take his place in the 48 car. We are going to close with our famed Fruit Loop Friday segment. There's only one. It is obvious. It is so blatantly obvious, but a very, very sad situation as well. Skip Bayless yesterday on Undisputed, pretty much taking the big old crap on Dak Prescott, saying how, oh, well, I don't need my leader of the Dallas Cowboys to say he's depressed after his after an entire pandemic. His brother committed suicide, which, I mean, at, at some point, I – it, it, it sickens me because it seems like it was a ratings type of thing. It was a shock value type of thing. It's not sports journalism. No one in their right mind in the sports journalism world would look at Dak and go, oh, he can't be sad over a, a pandemic or his brother committing suicide. It was strong on Dak to come out and say this. More athletes need to come out and say, okay, I am having depression. I am battling some mental demons it's okay we're all on your side we've all been there i'm going through it right now but to then say you can't be that guy skip i've come to terms to say okay you're just a troll and you're gonna say some stupid things but at the end of the day i thought you know my thoughts were this guy's i think he's a pretty good dude outside of undisputed but then we get this, and I don't know how to feel anymore. I want to like the guy, but you can't come out and say this. Point blank, period. There's no excuse for saying something like that. So, Sean, I know you were pretty hot about it, so what were, give your thoughts. Just unleash. It's a completely insensitive thing to say, to say the least. I, I have battled depression myself. I also know people that have it clinically – and that they suffer through it on a daily basis. Some people that are very near and dear to me. And to say a comment like that, it just goes to show insensitivity and in some ways a privileged mindset. Yes, there are people that don't have to go through it. I, I mean, I'll be honest, I wish I never had to. I wish people I knew didn't have to, but it's a real thing. And it goes back to what we talked about to open this show about, about you know, people booing and the insensitivity toward the protests. People don't want to address real problems that either don't affect them or they don't want to think about. It's, 
really unfortunate that that this happens. Depression is a real thing. It can you can have the perfect life, but if you're suffering from depression, it doesn't seem to matter. You can on the surface, you know, have a lot of money, you can have great family, you can have great friends, you can have great health, but if the one but if you suffer from depression, it can ruin all of that. And speaking out and telling people about it is the best way to get on the path to healing it. Uh, when I was in therapy, I was introduced to this tactic called the golden star treatment, which, which, which involves around two or three things. One is, is a physical therapy treatment, which involves like massages. Uh, number two is to get counseling or just speak out about it. And number three can be antidepressants, which when prescribed correctly, they can work as they did for me. These are all part of the, the battling your own mental health on top of just keeping up with what you need to do in your daily life. But, but, but what I say is one of those golden star treatments, telling others about it. If people are open about their mental health, it can really lead to recovery. Oh, yeah. People like Skip Bayless is why a lot of people are scared to do that. Because people like Skip Bayless is, oh, you have to be strong. Oh, that's weak. Stop. Skip, Skip Bayless's comments proves why a lot of people are scared to speak out about their mental health because they're scared that people are going to be like Skip Bayless and comment like that. It's very real. I've even seen people react that way too, and it's sickening. Skip, I've even though you you support the Patriots, I can't support you on this. Yes, you are just a troll, and you really need to get a long, hard look at yourself after a disgusting comment like that in respect to Dak for speaking out and it really makes me root that he has a great season just so he can continue to recover and feel good I totally agree we will leave a link to the national suicide prevention lifeline if you can't fight for yourself there will be others that can fight for you you are not alone in this battle we've all been there you are not alone. You are loved. If there's anybody, if you know us, even if you don't know us, if you're just watching, if you come across the show, we'll leave our Twitters. If Our DMs are open. If you want to talk, reach out to us. Please, please do not hesitate. We will, if you, if you can't, if you don't have a path to find that help, we will find that help for you. Please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Please don't. That will do it for this edition of The Rich Report. NFL Sunday. We have college football games, but I don't know how serious we're taking this season. Premier League is back. Got a lot of stuff. It almost feels like we're getting back to normal. It's almost like the beginning of getting back to normalcy. We've still got a long way to go, but this weekend will be sort of that start. For Sean Clark, I'm Cameron Richardson. Make sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube. Make sure to follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We'll be back on Monday to recap week one of the NFL season. We will see you then. Have a great rest of your day and have a great weekend.